0: It's the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast we have this is the first Sunday of Advent, so we are going to be looking at the gospel announcement. Uh, this is Shane Blau, and the text today we're going to start off with John three sixteen, and then go into another passage from Roman, looking at. What the good news is. Sometimes growing up in in this world, we hear the term gospel thrown around so much, but what does it really mean? Well, it means good news, but what is the good news? And Shane's going to talk about that this morning, so thanks for listening to the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Let's go ahead and head to North Shore Vineyard Church in downtown Covington for the gospel announcement. It's a lazy holiday, unless, well, not really, when you got three kids, it's, there's really nothing lazy about it. They've been home all week, and school starts tomorrow. Praise God for public schools. I love them. I love public schools. Not so much when I was a kid, but as an adult, I see the value. Exactly. Um, this week was it, it was, it was a great week um, I had, a, I had an opportunity just to sit back and kind of reflect um, on, on on just this year on family on on my own life. Um, I thought about you guys a whole lot in this church um, and i was, I was getting ready to prepare for this message just a week and and, and I, just, I just kept kind of running into a a, a mental wall uh, kind of and, and trying to come up with. God, what, what what should I talk about this week, or what did I want to talk about? And and I begin to think about obviously it's Christmas season as of today. Some of you it started about three weeks ago, including my wife. Um, and in this time of year, it, it's so easy to get caught up in the busyness of it all. And and I love Christmas. It's, it's my favorite holiday. It's beautiful. Just the spirit of everything kind of seems to change. Um, But even with that spirit and that that thing in the air that brings such beauty and causes us to kind of rekindle our childlikeness, I couldn't help but think of um, how difficult this time of year it can be for people as well. Um, Holiday season um, has kind of a a two-face to it because while there is so much joy for so many um, it's also a time of difficulty for so many. And so I just encourage you, if there's someone in your family or someone that you know or someone in the community you have access to, um, make yourself available to them if, if you have the means and the ability to do that because uh, it, could be, it could be real heavy. But in thinking about that, I started to think really about just the gospel, J- just, just the gospel, just the announcement of what Jesus proclaimed and, it's, you know, and, and I was kind of frustrated with myself because as I was thinking about it, I didn't really feel anything about it, to, to be honest, because I know the story so well, yeah? We all know sweet baby Jesus in a manger. <laughs> we know the three wise men. We, we know the story so well that kind of just like in, in, in a relationship with someone or your job or a hobby, you can become a bit immune to it. And a bit callous to what it is, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, you know, and and, and I really began to try to do my best to quiet myself and quiet my thoughts and really hone in on what this season represents—the birth of Jesus. I mean, it's such a crazy story, yeah. I mean, I. I, I I know I've shared this plenty of times, and it's a theme that I always kind of bring up, but for me, the the whole thing is just wild. A guy born of a virgin, foretold by uh, centuries of people prophesying about this coming uh, Messiah that would come as a man, but as God wrapped up inside to show us how to live, to show us who God is, to show us what God wants, and to ultimately liberate us, liberate us from... The, the human tendency to be destructive, to be self-centered, to be self-seeking, to grasp for power, to grasp for self pretty much sums it all up. <laughs> and, and and I begin to think about that, how that has played a role in my life in, the, in the, the 15 or 16 years that it's been that I've been doing my best to follow Jesus. And then I begin to even reflect on I'm following a guy that I've never met, <laughs> I've never seen, I've never heard. And that's wild, yeah? I'm like, we can, we, it's okay, it's wild. And I think about, you know, when Thomas came in, and he didn't believe, you know, the apostles come back, he's risen, and Thomas, you know, being the most sensible one's like, yeah, right, you're crazy. He wouldn't believe unless he was able to touch and to see and I thank God for those, the, for, for those words that Jesus said in that, in, that, in that moment, in that scene, because he says, blessed are those who do not see, but those who have faith. Takes a lot of pressure off, because even Jesus himself knows that this is a wild thing, man. He knows us as human beings, our limitations, our inability to understand and process such things. I mean, we are talking about things that have a magnitude beyond what we can even begin to fully grasp or understand, yeah? It's kind of like when you try to think, what's outside of space? What does your brain do? Nothing. (laughs) It just, it's not able to compute. And we're talking about God. We're talking about the ever-expansive God of of all the thing that God births and gives life to all to all things to all matter to all atoms to all existence this is a huge huge topic and it's something to wrestle with and it's something to engage with it's something to experience it's something to study it's something to dialogue about it is something worth pursuing in a noble pursuit that it is and so when I was thinking about this in the gospel I want to come back to what are the things that Jesus said. I think God had three years to say something to humanity in the form of humanity. So I'd imagine whatever he's going to say is going to be pretty important. And what he did say was so simple and, and almost elementary to what we inherently know to be true, but we find it difficult to participate in. Yeah? It's also amazing the things he didn't say, the things he didn't talk about, that we obsess and talk about and we beat the drums on the day that had nothing to do with what Jesus is actually even saying to begin with in the gospel. Now, the gospel we all know is, translates to what? Good news. Good news. I like good news. I like good news a whole lot. And Jesus' good news was well, not the type of good news like, hey, good news, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of your, your, your groceries this month. Or, you know, cause, cause then again, cause next month you still got to take care of your groceries, <laughs> you know, it wasn't the, the type of good news that had a limitation to it, or it had a string attached to it, or it had an ultimatum attached to it. He was about to speak what the, what was on the heart of God since the beginning and the dawn of creation since going back to the very beginning of that magnificent story in the garden, he was bringing us back to that place to where God's desire to walk with us, to be present with us, to engage us, and more importantly, have us engage him. He was saying, there is a return that is coming that no longer would God want the sacrifice of men, of animals or people, God no longer wanted worship to be something that was just external by nature. God was saying, I want to come back to the place with you where it all started, in my presence. And there are tons of profound things that Jesus talked about when announcing the gospel of heaven. And we will spend probably the next few months going through those things because I think it's important to come back to this it all hinges on our ability to understand and rightly discern what he is saying and how we should apply it to our lives. And what does it mean for us as individuals? What does it mean for humanity corporately? And what is our part in this? And the two things that I wanna talk about today, just two aspects, but these two aspects, I believe, are the foundation to the whole story, to the whole you realize the gospel is still alive today. The gospel is still good news today. And that's amazing. That's amazing to, to contemplate and to think about and to experience is that this man who we've never met, who isn't an American, who doesn't share our political beliefs or affiliations, that has different opinions on how we should live. He is still here today. And these two aspects center around those things. One is God embraced life. The good news is that God embraced life. And the second is Emmanuel. This idea, God with us. These two elements would lay the foundation for the whole story, for humanity. I love the fact that from the time that the, the crucifixion happened until now, the, the, there seems to be, Jesus talks about this, this this new day that happened, this new age that was coming about. B.C. and A.D., before Christ and after death, that the heavens that avail was torn, that barriers were removed, and our inadequacies no longer mattered. Our failures no longer mattered. Our inability to understand no longer mattered. God was moving towards us. God was coming towards us and inviting us to come towards him. This idea was set the stage for a new perspective, a new hope, a new power structure, and ultimately, New human beings. That's big stuff, man. That's big stuff. And so these two concepts are what allow us and help us and guide us in figuring out this big stuff God's embrace of life and Emmanuel. I want to briefly look at one of the most well known scriptures that we've all known from the time that we were able to probably read. John 3, 16. This is coming out of the message. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God did not go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, Telling the world how bad it was, he came to help and put things right again. And so, do you hear that? Do you hear what was said? These are the words of Christ. He did not come to bring an accusing finger. He came to bring justice. He came to bring hope He came to bring the reality of all realities, trying to strip us of what we think our reality only consists of, labor, consumerism, fear, necessities that we need in our everyday life. He was trying to elevate the human experience to what it should be and what it could be. I mean, what a... a, wonderful picture and statement of the intent of who God is and what God wants. And it's through Christ that we can see a clear picture of who God is. Clearly, we can hear who God is. The goal being the posture that humanity would take, the posture that, of redemption and collective reconciliation. Does that make sense? I'm just working some thoughts out here. This is life-altering. If we see it for what it is, this is good. I love church. I love gathering. I love this whole experience. But this is not what Jesus came for. He didn't come to build an organization. He didn't come to ask people to grovel at his name and his feet and tell him how just how wonderful he is and how matchful majest, uh, he is, how great and powerful he is. Would that be weird if your kids if that's their only viewpoint of view? To make sure that they tell you how wonderful you are? How great and powerful? No. Jesus is less concerned about our external worship as... Uh, he's less concerned about that and he's more concerned about us modeling a life of worship. Does that make sense? Our songs are wonderful. It has its place, but it's not the point. We have to stop majoring in the minors. (laughs) We have one life to live and I am so thankful for it. I'm so thankful that God embraced life and Once you understand this, once we we understand that God embraced life, Christianity is not about self-enlightenment. Christianity is not about self-holiness. Christianity is not about self-preservation. It's not about self-gain. It's not self-power. Christianity is about divine relationship with the maker. And living through that relationship with one another... God wanting us to do what he did, embrace life. That's hard though, right? Life is messy. Sounds simple. How do you embrace your enemy? How do you embrace injustice? How do you embrace wrongdoing? How do you embrace selfishness? How do you embrace the other side of human nature that could be so destructive? By understanding that the other side of human nature... It's life-giving. it is beautiful, it is creative. It has the ability has the ability to create heaven on earth. We are in the image and the likeness of our creator. We have the responsibility. it is incumbent upon us to create what God has asked us to create so much of you know. I've thought about this this week too, even in my own life. I use God as an, as an scapegoat quite a bit, I've realized. Sometimes. For my inability to want to do what's right. Some people use the devil. Some people use God. Some people use certain circumstances. Some people use political power. Some people use the injustice in the world to excuse themselves from doing what is right. And the first thing that happens is you would draw back from life. You disengage from life when you do this. And because there's disengagement, there can be no reconciliation. If there's no reconciliation, there can be no redemption. And if this process continues and continues and continues, what do we end up with? We end up with the evolution of culture, political and religious and governmental power. That is completely callous to God and people. It becomes about self. Yes? yes. Sounds like the real world. Yes. I only live in the real world. <laughs> I'm a barely middle class, blue collar man, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> and I love Jesus because he was the same thing, man. Yes. Divine beauty and hope and glory and power as a fragile man. Just that alone, comprehending that, comprehending that idea alone will wreck your world. And so when Jesus comes and he makes his announcement and, and, and we're confronted with embracing life and all that we just kind of said, how do we do this? Because to be honest, it's, it's heavy. I, I cannot fully do it. I struggle. Thanksgiving was a test. <laughs> I struggle with people that have different perspectives and opinions or lifestyles for the lack of understanding, for a lack of knowing, yeah? What you're not involved in, you normally fear. What you don't understand, you normally disengage from. And this is where the second concept becomes so important to this gospel announcement. Emmanuel, God with us. God is not asking us to do anything that he will not empower us or lead us into doing. God with us. Now. Here, now. And then my analytical brain goes to, well, if God is with us, then how can we have so much wrong? How can we have so much uncertainty? How can we have so much destruction? How can we have so much pain? You ever thought like this? Yeah? yeah? It's okay to think like that. That's yeah. actually you engaging with the Spirit. That's actually you beginning to wrestle with God and to expose and open yourself to an answer, to a leading of where you must go next. Emmanuel, God with us, is how we accomplish this great feat in this short period of time that we have here. The experience, you know, that song that we sing, "I love your presence." I mean, you know, I, I cannot say if I fully comprehend what that what the presence of God is. I've experienced it. I've had, this, but to comprehend the fullness of what. God is, it's just beyond what anything that we can imagine or think or try to describe with our own language. But then here's this centerpiece, Jesus. Came not seeking glory, came not seeking fame, came not seeking his own, breaking every cultural rule and tradition, loving those who are unlovable, touching those who were sick and neglected from society, embracing those who were rejected from society because of their class or their gender or their sexual orientation, breaking all the rules, letting a prostitute wash his feet. Dirty, man. This this figure that just stops in history (laughs) that made the whole world stop and reflect upon itself based on the example of which he gave. Offering enlightenment, but not for self. Offering enlightenment for all. Yes? I love what Romans 8 says. Think of it like this, and I'll read this when I think about this, I kind of think of a a, a lighthouse. Christ being the lighthouse for those who are lost in a fog at sea. That's Emmanuel, a constant beacon for all people to see and to be drawn into the goodness and the love and the grace and the mercy of the creator of all things. This It's the gospel. This is the foundation of it all. God with us, and us with God. Romans 8, again, reading out of the message. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way no trouble, no hard times, no hatred, no hunger, no no homelessness, no threats, no backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in scripture. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I am absolutely convinced that nothing, not nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing, Can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our Master, has embraced us. Do you feel that? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's hard to keep really talking about it because it's just so plain and clear. I cannot say it any better than what Paul just said. Nothing, nothing, not your poverty, not your pain, not your uncertainty, not your fear, not even your unbelief can separate you from the love of the creator of all things. And so when Jesus comes into this picture, I mean, it's really interesting where he gets dropped off, right, in in, in Rome, which we know the history of Rome and the power of Rome, the cruelty of Rome. and, and, And there he decides to confront human nature. By the way, majority of what he was confronting was the religious community more than anything. He didn't come banging on sinners, man. He didn't come banging on people groups from different corners of the world and telling them to line up with, Jew, uh, with the uh, Jewish customs and ways. He came to his people saying, you of all people should know better. You talk about God, but you do not display God. You put weights on the neck of those who you should, put, should be liberating. Reform starts with God's church And those who say they believe and trust in his goodness and his ways. Reform starts there. Change starts there. When we change, everything changes. When we take the responsibility that is upon our shoulders and our life to live life and to live it out of the goodness that we ourselves have received, to live it out of the mercy that we ourselves have received, we tote and we scream about the grace of God. Therefore, give it. Be it. And in that mystery of this union that we find ourselves in, I mean, it's crazy, man. With the spirit of God, all of a sudden, you begin to change. The internals of what we think and what we feel, what we want, begin to change from being just self-seeking human beings to reconciling human beings. Those who are looking at the generations to come. I tell you, when I had kids, man, that that changed everything. Everything. Pretty much 90% of everything that I think about now and every move I make personally, I'm thinking of them. How can I set them up to win? How can I set them up to be free? How can I protect them from what the world tries to change about us and put on us and tell us what's important, tell us what's valuable? The only way I know to do that is through our presence together and me giving them their value, me giving them their worth, building up their potential in hopes that one day they will maximize that and be all that they can be. Does that make sense? So... God embraces us and his being is with us and we have the ability through that to be transformed and transcend the ways of this world but yet still with the call and the ability to be present with this world. It's not about escaping the world. It's not about escaping the secular world. It's about being... The image and the likeness of God in that world. We have no enemies except for the ones that we self create. Yeah? Yeah. This is what Christmas is about, I think. (laughs) I still like presents, though. I love some eggnog. I hope this is not too heavy. I had a guy ask me this week when he heard I was doing this and, and taking this uh, position. He's like, "Hey man, it's like, so what kind of pastor are you going to be?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, well, "What kind of pastor are you going to be?" I'm like, "I don't. Is there like a like a shopping center where I can go pick out like the <laughs> the, the type of you know?" <laughs> I don't know. I just plan on being myself. Because yourself is enough. You see, we imitate so much of what we think is valuable. What we think is influential, what we think is popular, what we think is cool and relevant and hip, what we think is deep and intellectual. Not that that's bad. Imitation is a form of learning. But what if we imitated Christ? And the imitating of Christ is not having a set traditional, religious instead of things that you do and don't do. It's about a posture in life. It's about a posture towards life that no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're confronted with, no matter what you're called to deal with, you deal with it in the posture of the grace and the mercy of God. And that isn't just saying, you know, everything's perfect and okay. No, it's messy, man. It's hard to deal with injustice with justice. Yeah? And I get wrong. Look, somebody, uh, I got a package pirate this week that came and stole one of our Amazon packages out of our mailbox. What? Oh, they're everywhere. And my first thought was I would love to have something that when they opened it up, it would just explode, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just. <sighs> but again, there's me. That's the other side. <laughs> the side God is trying to constantly redeem. And reconcile, perhaps this person is broke, probably not <laughs> it 's probably like stealing stuff we 've got to stop making excuses for wrongdoing as well. Just throwing that out there. Enabling people is not love. So to wrap all this up um. How do we know? How do do we know that this is all true? How do we know that this nature that we constantly talk about is the real nature of God? And the way that I've always understood it, and the thing that always continues to speak to me, is creation itself. Look at that. I mean, it's beautiful. Light, air, wind. Walk out on a crisp morning. You see love operating in people's lives. You see healing that ha- happens in people's lives. You see actual reconciliation that happens in people's lives. This stuff happens every day, all day. We must continue to cultivate that and to cultivate good and to cultivate what is meaningful and purposeful. But creation screams of the good will and intent of God towards us, his creation, that's how I know God loves me and loves us. We're here. We just need to be conscious of it and mindful of it and realize that what we're fighting and hustling for today, the wars that we're trying to engage in and change people, it's all fading. Amen. So I would encourage you this week, pay attention to the world around you. And yes, I know you may look at it, you may see some things that are real things that you're facing. That they're big, they're life-altering, they're heartbreaking Know this while you're facing it, though. God has embraced you, and he is Emmanuel. This is the fundamental truth to the gospel of heaven, that in Jesus and through Jesus, we are offered this opportunity to return to a place where we are can actually know this amazing, unbelievable being called God. (laughs) And so this Christmas season, as we get to celebrate all the joyous things, and you should, keep that in your mind. You pay attention to those around you that may not be experiencing that, may not be feeling that. Be an extension of heaven. Because that's what we're called to be. And it's the only thing worth doing in life anyway. It's the only thing that doesn't fade. My kids will not remember one thing I bought them for Christmas probably. By the time I'm gone, what they will remember is the love, the grace, the character that I displayed, good or bad. Let's make it good, yes? Well, that's all I have for you today. I love you guys. Let me pray for y'all. Pray for us. Father, we just, we, just, we just thank you. And we ask, God, that you would open our minds and our eyes and our hearts and our souls to the reality of realities that in this life we have the opportunity to exist and to be an extension of who and what you are, God, but... A, but Before all that, I just ask, God, that we as individuals and as a collective group of people become aware of the goodness and the power of love that you have for us and the power that we possess as people because of that love. In the name of Jesus.